0: Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Palliative and Hospice Care for Persons with Disabilities. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on March 7, 2018. In this podcast, Kelly Ambrose, Manager of the Advanced Illness Care Program at Care Oregon's House Call Providers, discusses Care Oregon's Palliative Care Program.
1: I'm grateful to have the opportunity to be here today to talk to you all. About Care Oregon's um, palliative care programs. Um, care Oregon, uh, we are a nonprofit health plan uh, that serves about 250,000 uh, Oregonians. We serve Medicaid, Medicare, and duly eligible members with about 11,000 uh, duly uh, eligible beneficiaries. Um, our mission is cultivating individual well being and community health through shared learning and innovation. And our vision is healthy communities for all individuals, regardless of income or social services. Next slide, please. So I wanted to um, frame uh the conversation today uh, with uh, a, an experience um of a, a member that we've worked with uh recently whose uh whose uh experience is similar to a lot of members that we work with. Um And we're going to refer to this gentleman as Paul. Um, And Paul was a 50-year-old duly eligible beneficiary uh, with Care Oregon. He had metastatic cancer. Um, He had a long history of uh, behavioral health issues. In fact, he was uh, disabled uh, with his mental illness. Um, He also had multiple chronic conditions, um, had been in uh, public programs or relying on public programs that the safety net for most of his adult life. He uh recently lost a job, he had addiction issues, uh, he was divorced, he was estranged from his family, um, he was socially isolated. Uh and uh as he described it, um, and I'm always amazed by uh what people can share with us when they let us into their lives, um, that his life became a slow uh, downward spir- downward spiral um and just couldn't catch a break uh anywhere along the way um and through the process of diagnosis and treatment uh he would leave a m a um he would uh you know after a- aggressive treatment uh that was not working for him uh he rejected hospice he thought of it as giving up um and uh you know even in the face of no further curative therapy um and i think that we find uh that many individuals with disabilities uh who rely on public programs uh he expressed a fear of losing his independence uh and really at every step of the way was resistant to discussing hospice um, or palliative options with the specialty care team uh in the hospital um I, you know, as far as speaking to the fears of the disability community with uh, in pa- thinking about palliative care programs, um, you know, these people have had to fight all their lives, and they are survivors. And so, the thought of you know giving up isn't really uh, part of their makeup. Um, they also have a lot of fears around changes uh, in their approach to their treatment. Um, just because they they've had a lot of contact with the medical system in in some cases, and have been often let down by the medical system, and, and there's a, a significant uh, lack of trust. Um, anyway, next slide, please. So this next slide is really uh, speaking to our population, and uh, as uh, having been deeply affected by adverse child events um and you know what we know um uh about people facing serious illness that it helps us to serve them um if we can consider their past here history and experiences um and what we know from childhood uh child and adult traumatic experiences is we know it can lead to altered brain development emotional and cognitive functioning um issues uh, associated uh, morbidities like anxiety and depression lifestyle-related problems like smoking, um, leading to COPD, uh, substance abuse. And in Oregon, if you are homeless or living with severe mental illness, and I suspect this is the case in uh, most states, your life expectancy is decades shorter than someone without one of these uh, programs. Um, There are several studies that uh, definitively show uh, the correlation between uh, the social determinants of health and chronic illness and disabilities. Next slide, please. So, Care Oregon, when we first started uh, approaching care this way, um, just recognizing that these past uh, experiences um, were going to affect how people could engage in their health care and with their health plan, um, developed a program called the Health Resilience Program. And uh, it was a team of social workers that's still in existence that connected with people in the community. Uh Where they live, where they recreate in their uh, clinics where they get care um, to uh, engage them um, with a specific skill set uh, to lead to um, hopefully better adherence, lower utilization uh, and just uh, in- engagement uh, with their 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 treatment plan um, and these are clinicians that are trained in motivational interviewing understand a trauma-informed approach. Um, We need to find out what's really important to the members that we work with um, in order to understand uh, the best way to serve them. Next slide, please. So again, uh, it's focusing on uh, what people's experiences are, uh, what's important to them. Um, And uh, on this slide where it says often a participant um, my preferred language would be um, a participant uh, may not be following their provider's treatment plan, and it's not necessarily about willing. Sometimes it's just about education, understanding, fears. Um, but when people aren't following a treatment plan, it's it's important to uh, use motivational interviewing skills to uh, ask questions, and open-ended questions are best. Like, what do you understand about the plan? Uh how might you like things to be different um and then even getting into something like how does uh fill in the blank, how does smoking interfere with the things you like to do um we find these things out about people and we really try to support their goals uh and uh, and and where no matter where they are and what they want um it's a collaborative process uh uh, the therapeutic relationship is really treated like a partnership. Um, now, traditional palliative care is focused on meeting the needs of uh, the seriously ill uh, beyond curative medical treatment. So it's about trying to improve quality of life and reduce suffering in every way possible. Uh, the famous palliative care physician Diane Meyer defined palliative care as three core domains, symptom management, um, which could be pain, shortness of breath, anxiety, uh Also, we need to focus on goals of care, what do people understand about their situation, their prognosis, what's important to them, and then care coordination. In complex illness, it is so easy to become lost in the maze of specialist facilities, services, uh, and so forth. Uh, Now imagine being uncertain of one's prognosis with no one asking you your goals, having your major major symptoms like pain, and also be trying to navigate the healthcare uh, system. It's a path that no one should have to walk alone. Next slide, please. So our Care Oregon uh, population that's served by palliative care, it it skews younger than you might uh, in a healthier, able-bodied, for most of their life population, people without such significant trauma in their history. 63% of the patients uh, that we serve are under the age of 65. The bulk of the participants are middle-aged, and they are middle-aged people often dying um, from the diseases of old age, and as palliative care has advanced as a priority in the U.S. healthcare, um, and as a core triple AIM intervention, uh, it's been focused on the elderly in terms of who it serves. And it makes a great deal of sense in the, since the majority of people dying from chronic illness are above age 65. However, as the field has evolved, it's been clear that there are other significant areas of critical need that must be addressed in their own specific context. And a good example is when we had the emergence of pediatric palliative care in the nineties to meet the needs of children and families um, It's you know it has now evolved to other populations uh, and specialized work um, and that is the work that we do uh, in the safety net uh, population and so like pediatric palliative care in the nineties uh, it's a response to a specific set of challenges in serving vulnerable often traumatized low income populations um, so I'm going to give you a little overview of uh, that work that we do uh, with these members. Next slide, please. So since 2010, Care Oregon has focused on providing outpatient palliative care to its vulnerable members as a dedicated program. Uh, the program started as a benefit uh, being administered by two Portland area hospices. We gave them a program outline, and uh, and and they uh, were contracted to provide these services, um, with a significant amount of oversight from uh, uh, Care Oregon um, palliative care uh, program management. Um, And uh, our patients were uh, strictly in the outpatient palliative care program, not the hospice. In fact, the majority of Care Oregon's palliative care patients will decide never to go to hospice. Um, What we learned over the years, above all else, through this work, is that relationship matters. And as we know from the trauma literature, it's the ability to regain trust and security through relationships that is so essential to overcoming traumatic life experiences.
0: So in our model,
1: while we do the core traditional palliative care activities, at the heart of it is high-intensity involvement by our nurses and social workers to, to create this foundation above all else. As we've learned, without this kind of foundational relationship, the rest of the work does not go well. Um, and this this work evolved from just strict Uh, hospice is providing this care in a contract, to we experimented with our own programs by embedding our staff into um, an oncology practice, uh, into a a safety net primary care clinic, Um, and at this point, we have um, brought most of that uh, back in-house with our own staff and with our program at Health Care Providers. so in traditional... Next slide, please. There we go. I mean, this is good. So, I'm sorry, slide 35. Um, traditional palliative care services, you know, have always focused on uh, symptom management. Um, and, you know, initially through these palliative care consult programs in the hospitals, outpatient palliative care clinics that are brick-and-mortar clinics, um, which we, where we found palliative care specialists, Uh In our safety net palliative care services, we offer all these additional supports um, to meet participants, uh, you know, uh, other issues that they could be facing um, with, you know, housing, behavioral health, uh, food insecurity, um, uh, drug and alcohol treatment. Um, And we also, like I said earlier, really focus on what the patient's lived experience uh, is. Next slide, please. We provide our programs uh, primarily right now through our Advanced Illness Care Program um, uh, and through uh, our new program at Health Call Providers. Um, In our Advanced Illness Care Program, um, we work with providers, other providers in the community, um, specialists, primary care providers, and we provide some uh, wraparound supports with nursing and social work. We also provide chaplain and pharmacy support. Um, and this interdisciplinary team um, works with the provide the patient's primary care and specialty providers in the community, um, and we focus on symptom management, uh, care coordination, um, and uh, really working on goals of care with individuals. The program at Health Call Providers, uh, this is a home based primary care practice that house, that Care Oregon acquired uh, last year. Um, it includes 24 primary care providers, uh, which includes 19 advanced practice nurses serving over 1,400 patients in the Portland metro area. Um, and uh, with the, the the goal of Care Oregon acquiring this practice was to create a more robust safety net focused house call practice in the, the Portland area. And when people come on to house call providers, they have their 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 wraparound support, uh, their interdisciplinary team all in one place, which includes a new primary care provider for them in that practice. Next slide, please. So um, when we introduce these uh, programs to individuals, I, I feel like we've had a lot of success. We don't pitch it as palliative care. We call it advanced illness care initially. When um, we talk to people about the extra layer of support that this kind of service can provide, that we can work with their providers in the community, and we can, uh, we can help them uh, navigate uh, the challenges that they're facing um, and support them no matter what their goals are. Uh, often people move from Advanced Illness Care to the House Call Program. Um, some people come directly on to the House Call Program from Care Oregon, and again, it's um we're we're really focusing on the services we provide than actually the language of what we call it. Um and I find the people that refuse are usually the people that don't want somebody in their home or uh in their uh seeing them in their doctor's offices. Uh maybe they're not really engaging uh in the physician's office. But I think we have great successes just pitching it as an extra layer of support. Um and you know w- one thing I want to say about when I mentioned earlier as far as uh not as many of our patients go to hospice only 30% of Care Oregon members actually die on hospice and that's compared to in 2014 I think it was something like 47% of uh Medicare patients uh utilize hospice at the end of uh their life um so next slide please 30, there we go. Um, so we do know as far as uh, our programs go and uh, other programs that we have worked with in the community and we're familiar with, that uh, effective quali- palliative care does improve the quality of life, um, especially with our safety net population if we focus on the social determinants of health um, and developing uh, these kind of care partner relationships Um these strong relationships within the care team uh, enable important and difficult conversations around hospice and palliative care. I would say with this population, there's a lower percentage of them that actually do complete pulse and advance directives, um, uh, especially those people with um, disabilities that have a fear of end of life and what it means to put your, your wishes down on paper. Um, but I think because of the relationship we establish with individuals, we're able to have those difficult conversations where they haven't been able to happen uh before. Um, some you know, a missing piece in, in uh, I think safety net palliative services have been uh services for uh people that are homeless at the end of their life. And Care Oregon is partnering with one of our largest mental health and housing providers in Portland to build um, another campus in Portland that will house an inpatient palliative unit with ten beds um for uh actively dying hospice patients um as well as housing uh for uh, palliative uh uh patient population um and we hope to uh just get more creative with uh who we can serve once we have those uh services in place um You know, really, this uh, care is successful. Um, It's just its all about the relationships. Uh, Next slide, please, to wrap up. Um, So we get back to uh, Paul, and although Paul
0: refused
1: hospice care, um, we understood his resistance. We understood where he was coming from with that. Um, We continued to engage him with care options, um that could meet his needs and continue to work for, with him, provide him i guess our version of hospice light um which does not include after hours or weekend care, but um pretty robust care during the week um his uh you know although Paul's medical treatment was complicated with his disabilities and behavioral health issues uh the relationships that were uh developed um offered him really a crucial support. Um, and some of the wins, I would say, with his care um, would be his uh, reconnection with his family. Uh, I think family reunification is some of the most rewarding work uh, that we do, um, oftentimes even finding family members that will take uh, patients in at the end of their life where they can receive end-of-life care. Um and this is what happened with Paul. He passed away uh peacefully at a family member's home. He did not go on hospice, um, but his symptoms were managed. Um and you know, he again, these people when they let us in, they share the most amazing things and he really he expressed that before he felt like he was falling, that he was in a spin, um and 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 now he was not. So while we can't solve a lifetime of trauma and sequelae in our palliative care program, we can try to chart a new course around trust, support, and love. Um, In healthcare, I'm not sure there is a less appreciated factor than the therapeutic relationship. It's free. um, It doesn't have side effects. Uh, It can have profound effects uh, uh, on the small things uh, that can make all the difference, like medication compliance, keeping appointments, um, and patient engagement. Um, we've developed, designed our program so that therapeutic relationships can be developed with frequent visits uh, by our dedicated team and I feel uh, like we've uh, done a really good job with that and I feel very lucky to get to do this work. So when we look at last, next slide, last concluding thoughts, I would say um, again, relationship, relationship, relationship um, and I can't Uh, express enough how important training for clinicians and motivational interviewing and trauma and a trauma-informed approach to care um, will uh, find success with this population. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Loon Group and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations in care models. To learn more about our current efforts and resources, please visit our website Or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care.